In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest, Alex Kinnear, co-founder and CEO of GetUpside. Alex, welcome. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you know, before we get started, uh, you know, getting getting some of the knowledge that you have about the brick and mortar space, uh, wanted to just uh, see if you can do a quick intro, let our listeners know, you know, what GetUpside is all about. So GetUpside was founded to digitally transform brick and mortar, or as we call it, physical commerce. The idea is that in the online world, every customer, you can personalize the experience for them and measure your impact of, of your personalization, whether it's paying off or not paying off. And that just doesn't exist in the physical world, which causes physical commerce to act in a less economically efficient manner. And GetUpside was founded to change that. Uh, we are a group of software developers um, who come from Google. Um, we were, uh, the core of us actually built the core advertising system at Google and saw the power of personalization and measurement. We are now live in 19,000, actually, we just crossed 20,000 merchants uh, in the United States. And um, we focus on everyday spend categories um, for consumers. So, groceries, gas, and restaurants. And through this very hard time of COVID, we've actually been growing. We've grown our footprint about 2,500, 3,000 locations in the past three months. That's awesome. That's awesome. How, how did the idea come about with GetUpside and, and, and what made you, uh, you know, want to start the company? Yeah, so I'm older. <laughs> uh, so I was actually at Google as a product manager building their large advertising ad serving system close to 14 years ago. And I have a diverse background. My, my experience before that was actually Procter & Gamble. And so I had this experience where I knew how customer acquisition was done in the brick and mortar world from my time at P&G. And here I'm at Google building their advertising system and having the engineers coming forward and showing me things that, are, that you could do that I never could have imagined, where you can actually control the message you can control the curation of an experience to an individual user and track them across the entire web and then measure, you know, if you put in a dollar, did you get 80 cents back or a dollar 20? And that level of curation, curated personal experiences and measurement, my eyes were, were opened. And, that, and then as we built these systems and put them live, we were able to see the return on investment that merchants were getting when they used our personalization and measurement systems and those that didn't and did business like they did on, in the physical world. Hal Varian, who was the chief economist of Google, wrote a, uh, a white paper on this economic inefficiency in the physical world, and it struck me. And I was inspired by my hometown of Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and I, I would go home to the, and see those businesses, and I would say, I don't want to live in a world where everything is just delivered to my door. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I use Amazon and, and, and like that service, but I also value a world where there are people can gather, physical merchants can thrive which is important more now more than ever. 
And I realized that without the ability to personalize and measure the experience on site, it would be fundamentally less efficient from an economic perspective and could never thrive. And that, that lack of value takes value away from consumers and from merchants. And so the idea was, can we create a digital layer where we can touch a universal amount of consumers and a universal amount of merchants and use data to make it so that we can curate experiences in real time to unlock value so that merchants create measurably more profit and consumers create measurably more value. And those two things together creates value on the local scale. That was the big picture vision and why we started to do this. That's awesome. As you've been working with uh, you know, a lot of these uh, merchants that you've been bringing on, and congrats, by the way, on that growth. That's, that's great. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen uh, you know, in consumer behavior, customer behavior that you've been you know, kind of coaching your, your clients on? Yeah. So first of all, let's be cognizant of the times that we're talking, right? Traffic is down substantially in every brick and mortar business, except potentially grocery. And I would love to have that change tomorrow, but I don't know when that will change, right? I like to say that the fundamental thing that we need most in the world right now is a vaccine. I don't do that. That's not <laughs> us. Right. Very thankful people are working on this. After the vaccine, the thing that we need most in the United States is we need to enable our brick and mortar physical merchants to come back more profitably than they were before, number one. And we need consumers to have more purchasing power than they had before, right? And that's clear from the economic data. So the consumer trends, you know, I'm not gonna say anything that's, that's revolutionary here. Transactions are down, profitability is down, purchasing power is down. So it is a rough time for, for physical merchants. Now we look at that and we look at that and we say, this actually just reinforces the strategies that we have been pushing for all along, which is why we have continually merchant and consumer growth right now. And those trends are, you need to be ec more economically efficient. What does that mean? You can use your data. You can use the ability to influence consumers because they're all walking around with a device that can be dynamic to curate shopping experiences for those users that simultaneously measurably give you more profit and drive more value to consumers. Let me say it a slightly different way. I think about it in terms of friction and value. And fundamentally what has happened right now is the friction for shopping at your store has skyrocketed. So what do we need to do? We need to make it so that there's more value to overcome the friction so they choose your store and your shopping experience there are many ways, there are many elements to that. And one of the key elements is to use data, both to reach those consumers and make the shopping experience more rewarding for them. And when reaching out to those consumers, you know, what are some of the things that you would, uh, you know, you would counsel your, your clients on? How do you use that data to be able to reach out? So let me contrast this to, to, to historical. Historical, the big push has been you know, this completely loaded word that I like hate to even have come out of my mouth loyalty. That's, that's the customer segment that we have all this data on. Let's throw tremendous amount of resources and money for this small segment. I think that's completely wrong. This group, you already have them. They've bought into everything you're doing. The group that is a million times bigger than that group, it's called your non-customers. And a non-customer is either someone who's never been in your store or a person who's not buying all of their purchases from you. 
And that group is where to focus. Now, how do you focus on that group? Well, you focus on them by using the data that you have to identify who they are, what they're doing, and then use the data to create experiences for them, which draw the, them into your store and get them to buy more. And that's a fundamentally more profitable approach. Yep, agree. Agreed, agreed. As you're doing this, uh, and you know, one of the points that you made is, you know, of course, right now, being in the middle of the pandemic, there's some changes that businesses have had to make, you know, retailers going to curbside, you know, restaurateurs doing both uh, pickup and delivery mechanisms and using technology to do that. But as you kind of work through with, you know, different merchants, what are some some changes that you think are long term? And what are some changes that are kind of temporary and we think will go away uh, after this pandemic, you know, gets to a, a, a reasonable a point where it goes away. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the obvious one is delivery, right? We've had this massive share in delivery. I believe that will go back down, right? As we recreate the spaces where people like to congregate in those experiences, I believe that share, it will end higher than it was in the beginning, but it will, it will plateau and it will end stabilize lower than it is today. So I think that's one big trend that we will see a peak and then it will revert back. Not it will again be higher than it was pre-COVID, but it will it won't stay at this elevated level. I think that's number one. Number two is though one thing that's come on that's become apparent through the push to delivery is the digital interaction that is tied into a physical commerce purchase. We're seeing that massively, and that I think is the habit that we want to latch onto. And in every physical commerce industry that you're in, that is the long-term hook that you want to be a part of because it enables you to actually be more profitable by being able to take that hook and create an experience. So experience, I use that word a lot, but that experience is pricing and or promotion, curation, so different sets of goods and services. And the third experience is uh, in the sense of you can change the shopping experience for a user based off of data on them. Those three things and the ability to digitally interact at the time of purchase or before the time of purchase, that's the hook that I think can allow physical commerce to come back even stronger. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, but we definitely share uh, share that thought there. And that's actually an important part of, you know, we, we have retailers and restaurateurs reaching out to us every day about Hey, what do you mean? Because what we talk about also is that experience is more important than anything than anything else, because it, it does, yes, loaded word, create that loyalty. It does create, you know, transactions. It does create that bond with that customer to be able to, uh, you know, build that up with uh, with your brand. But what are some, some of the things, you know, we, we as we talk to different uh, retailers, restaurateurs, brick and mortar operators these days, some are just kind of running around trying to piece together technology that works together to be able to, you know, get through these times. And one of the things that we counsel is, hey, take a little bit of a step back and, you know, figure out who your customer is first, figure out, again, as, as you were saying, you know, what, what are the, some of these digital channels to be able to interact with my customer to build those experiences? What do you think, um, you know, retailers or brick and mortar operators get wrong in trying to build this, you know, I, I know omni-channel is a loaded you know, kind of buzzword, but building these digital and offline type experiences? My favorite one, and I've seen this multiple times with even, even the most sophisticated customers, and then I even see unsophisticated customers kind of wade into this, is they say, I'm basically going to try to put in a CRM, right? I want the ability to communicate to my customers, right? Okay, great. Like that, that in and of itself, I don't see anything wrong with, right? And then the amount of resources they put towards it. And it breaks down when you say, okay, 
what percentage of all the people that walk by your store, all the people that live within the radius of your store, and then even percentage of all the people who enter your store or order from you, do you actually impact with this? And then what you see is the amount of effort and like sweat and pain that they are putting in to be able to impact 3% of their shoppers. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Right. So that's if the question is like, what's one of the biggest mistakes? That's the biggest mistake. And, th and then it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I send emails. Okay. Like, think about yourself as a human being. Like, how many emails do you get? Like, how many you, the open rates are horrible? Like, it's just there's too much noise out there. In my mind, the strategy needs to be using data. And I think the greatest resource, by the way, is anonymized credit card data. Right. So this is, by the way, every one of your customers. I'll tell you one thing they hate paying for is credit card processing, right? Like yeah. there's nobody's like, let's pay credit card processing fees. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that fee is actually creating a tremendous amount of data and the data is unbelievably valuable. You can use that data and you can pair it with platforms which already have the users. So meet the users where they already are, right? Now you meet them where they are. Now you have information about who's never been in your store because that's a, that's a, an anonymized card ID that hasn't shown up in your in your logs. You can identify the people who who shop all the time, and you can identify the people who don't shop all the time. And then you can use third party platforms to meet the users where they are. To me, that's just much more efficient than thinking that you're like the Wizard of Oz and you can sit down with your own CRM and devise like an email that's going to change your business. Right? That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of pain. And even the most sophisticated folks, they can't do it. Agreed. And it takes a lot of to your point. It takes a lot of work and. And even if you can get past the noise, because there's a lot of uh, noise out there in the world right now, for sure. As you've been, you know, kind of working with different um, brands, what are some of the best uh, in-store experiences that you've seen being being built? So the story I like to give is it's a totally non-tech example, but I think it, it reinforces this the, the meta point here. If it's taken to it, it's extreme. I'm, I'm going to leave out the names because I don't have permission to share the story, but I, I'm this is a very well-known, very successful. I'll call it very special retailer in the South. They specialize in very large format. Yeah, convenience store does not give it the right, uh, it doesn't honor it, right? It, it, it's, it's so much more than that. And uh, I'm with the owner and we were walking through it and, and he, he totally buys into everything we were just talking about, this level of personalization, this level of measurement. And he was showing an example of this. And so he takes me over to this side of the store and there's literally the largest lobster pot I've ever seen. Okay. So by the way, we're talking about the whole talk. We're talking about personal, like how he's changing his inventory based on data that he has on his users. He uses credit card data. He uses purchase frequency. He uses all these different things to change all this in-store data. And everything is like optimized, like even the ordering of like how they stack the candy. And I'm like, what is this? this I mean, the lobster pot is like, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> six feet wide, right? Wow. And he's like, I'm like, you can't sell this. He's like, no, we like, we never sell one. I was like, okay, well, how is this the personalization, you know? And he's like, I know my customers so well from the data that I know. He's like, look around. So I, I did I look around, and like, and there's like seven other guys that look like me, and we're all staring at this pot. Like, how many lobsters can I put in there? Like. Could I kill any other type of animal and put that in there? Like, it's the largest pot you've ever seen. And you're just like, why, why is this here, right? And he's like, every minute, the thing that is standing between my buyer and their basket size 
is the dad. The family comes into the store and the thing that stands behind the basket size getting bigger is the dad. And so I personalize an experience. It's basically a dad trap because no dad can walk by that pot and not say, oh, what could I possibly use this for? And every minute the dad is there, there's a couple more items being put into the basket to go through the checkout. And to me, that's genius. But it is also suboptimal from an economic perspective to what can be achieved on the internet. Because on the internet, I can give every person the own curated experience that can achieve that same basket size increase, right? I don't have to use segmentation to just try to grab 30% of the dads that walk in. And it's an example of a physical retailer doing better than anybody in understanding and also showing the limitations when you are not using a digital interface for every customer. What is, uh, you know, uh, your, everyone has kind of their, their favorite brands and, and who they follow. And, and, and for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I love Nike. I love what they do in store. And also, I, I think, uh, you know, here, especially in the Bay Area, the beta stores here, I mean, I know we're, again, we, we can't go shop and, and browse anymore these days, but, th- but that's the store that I frequent because of the experience. What are some, uh, you know, kind of personal favorites or personal brands that you shop at that, that you uh, love because of the experience? All right, so the data store is really good. That that is a, that is a very unique experience. I agree with that. You know, for me, my best experiences are the local merchants that I experience. I, I work with here in Bethesda, and for me, because the local merchant who has you know an unbelievable staff and a small enough customer base can again get one step closer to that level of personalization that we strive to be able to achieve. Right when I walk into Bethesda Bagels, and the face behind the counter knows my face and they know what my order is going to be. It's an experience that is rewarding for me. Now I, I rec it's, it's like, it's kind of like the gold standard of what I try to have our product achieve. If we can have that level of understanding, that level of history of what's been purchased and be able to know what's about to be purchased, it unlocks a world of value. And that's what we, we, you know, we're now 170 people, you know, an 80 person engineering team. We've spent $30 million building our machine learning platform to be able to provide these insights. We are not as good as that human to human, but we are a hell of a lot more scalable than that. And that's what we're always, you know, we want to be that scalable and that good in the future. That's what we're always working towards. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I know, uh, you know, GetUpside probably plays a large role in a lot lot of the clients uh, that you service. What do you think is, you know, kind of the more tactical ways that you're helping uh, some of these clients really accelerate, you know, getting to know their customers better and, and ex- accelerating that digital transformation really uh, for their brands? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very measurable. So I'll give you some very, some solid examples. Our percentage of their transactions on average across our entire customer base has increased 22% during COVID. Some as high as 80% increases, but 22% is the average. Why is that? Well, first of all, overall traffic is down, but secondly is more and more consumers are looking for more purchasing power and our network has grown around them. So we have more access to the the non-customers, I call it. So that's number one. Number two is I'll give you a grocery store chain. So grocery store chain that's live on the product. This is a um, a very well-known brand. It's a regional player. So they have high density in one region of the United States, but it is not you know, the two big brands in the United States. For them, 
97% of the customers that we're bringing them, we're getting them to shop two extra times a month. Now, 3%, 3%, we're already buying everything from them. And that 3%, we haven't been able to do anything with. And we show them that we can't, yeah, these were yours already. Like they, they, they all, they're buying everything that they, they, they're going to buy from you. And so, you know, in our model, they pay nothing for that, right? We only, it's a pure profit sharing model. So we, we are nothing unless we can show you with data that our users are buying more uh, and profitably for you. And so we're very proud of that lift. That's the tactical measure. We also report everything in our return on investment, right? Just like the internet, you put a dollar in, you want to know what you get back, right? That grocer is earning a 42% return on investment. So every dollar they're putting in, they're getting $1.42 back. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. I mean, you can't you can't get any more clear than that. That's 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 great return on investment for your clients. We talk about how technology plays a, a role, uh, and as you've been, uh, you can tell you're a technologist, and you've been you know uh, in the space for a while. What are some of the technologies that you've seen being adopted at a faster pace than you expected initially? On the consumer side or the merchant side? On the merchant side. On the merchant side, I would say the POS revolution has gone much faster than I than I ever expected. You know, to the non to the open standard or tablet-based systems. I was around you know, when Square was just getting started. And to see that revolution take off, I think is, is, is exciting. And I would love it to, you know, I think it would unlock a lot of creativity in non-food industries as well. If those pillars of closed archaic systems can be broken open. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some technology that you think is going to have the biggest impact on shaping the future. Of course, I know GetUpside definitely going to play a role in the future, but what are some other technologies that you think will definitely play in? To me, it all goes back to the app that everyone is carrying around in their hands as from a consumer perspective and COVID pushing it so that more people are using this as they think about interacting with their physical merchants. Today, it's for delivery, but in the future, we hope to harness it for other things. So I think that's a big one. You know, what I'd love to see is that pushed then into the store where the people that are working in the store can be enabled by that same types of those same types of technologies so that they can interact with customers in a smarter way. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. That's awesome, Alex. Uh, I've been asking guests. I know we can't really travel today, um, but what are your most, uh, you know, your top three must visit, must do things in Maryland? The three things that I would want to do if I could, uh, if I, if I could do it more easily. One would be to go to our community pool, which is currently closed and which it's 97 degrees outside. So that would be number one. In fact, I would give almost any, that might be my one, two, and three, honestly, today. But that would definitely be, that would be definitely number one on things that I miss. And then the other thing I think I miss is, you know, there's a lot of restaurants downtown that I love. And uh, I would uh, do pretty much anything to like, you know, go have a bottle of wine with my wife and, and a nice dinner that, but we'll get back to that. We'll get back to yeah, yeah. I think we're all we're all kind of missing that. And of course, I'm in the Bay Area, and uh, here, you know, we we go through different stints of opening and not opening. But I think that's the one thing that I talk about all the time is I'm 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 just missing sitting there, you know, having a, a bottle of wine, talking, interacting, socializing. So hopefully, we get back to that uh, when it's safe. Good enough. Well, thank you, Alex. That was a wealth of information. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. And thank you for your time again and, and joining us today. For sure, Bobby. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.